What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain Musical genius Parangi stops by to talk about his recent exploration and journeys at the Sundance Festival, one of the most powerful rituals you will ever hear about, as well as the creative process for producing the Ayahuasca Remixed album, along with other lessons and experiences from the medicine path. Definitely check this one out. Parangi is one of my favorite human beings on the planet, and stay tuned at the end for a, a kick-ass sample of his latest album. Pete, my brother, why don't you bring us in with a little? What is that? First of all, what is this instrument? This is uh, this is kind of based. You know, I first was introduced to this harmonic overseries flute, um, overtone flute is also known as in Siberia, up uh, throughout parts of Europe. It's kind of been all over the world in a, a probably in Africa, because it uses the harmonic series to get its tones. So it's just one single shaft, and as you no holes. Well, just one at the fiddle and one at the end. That's it. Oh, well, yeah. But no. But, but no. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a stick. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a stick. Kind of like the dig, you know? <laughs> Listen, everybody. All you need is a stick, and it'll make this sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah brother yeah welcome back my man thank you bro it's been good to have you out this week yeah it's been super sweet hang in yeah and this is one of those times where you can almost mark time on this podcast you know and be like what happened since the last time you're here and this time in particular lots of shit happened so much first of all so we got to talk about your remix album for ayahuasca sure. that was a hell of a project and it turned out <laughs> so dope so good so how did that evolve well, it's it's pretty incredible. So we last time we chatted, we were in the first stages. We just gotten some of the remixes, and we were in like this. I hadn't done any of my own collaborations on the remixes yet. Yeah. Um, and literally, after I spoke with you, kind of through the next course of the last six months or so, um, they started trickling in. Mm -hmm. Started trickling in, and I started actually working with um, Amani, uh, who's from Desert Dwellers. He's one of the main producers, and he's the kind of the head. Um, him and Trevor Moon Tribe, they they run Desert Tracks, which is the label that put it out. Yeah, and so started collaborating more with him on another project called Liquid Bloom, which is also like medicine music, down tempo, which is 
incredible as well. <laughs> and that's and I want to get into more of that too because you started singing Icaros yeah. on that and had to basically teach yourself the songs of the plants yeah. and the, you know the medicine songs. So I want to talk <laughs> about that for sure too. Yeah, absolutely. So we started collaborating last winter when I was trying to work on my solo album finally and get the the live looping album out. And in that process, he starts hitting me up and being like, hey, I'm trying to push out this Liquid Boom project. Have a listen. See if there's anything here that inspires you. And I started, these songs started just coming through. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So mm-hmm. kind of put that on pause, dived into that, and which is beautiful because then that album dropped this spring, um, the Regenerations album that he did. And uh, I collaborated on Deodova's on that, you know, crazy Australian, you know, goddess and singer and lots of other artists. And, you know, I added like, African Ngoni and started putting down the Icaros and it's just amazing and so then out of that he's like well we should do one of the remixes because I was trying to get Desert Dwellers to do one he's like mm-hmm. we're just too busy dude he's like there's no way you know Trevor's in LA and super busy and I'm busy with that so he's like how about we do one with Liquid Bloom and Porangi let's like do a collaborative yeah. remix and so I literally went back to the song of, of all songs, the, the, the title song, Ayahuasca, mm-hmm. um, you know, which the original was with the jaw harp, right? With the Dam Moy, the Vietnamese jaw harp. And, and it's an intense one. It's one that like drives mm-hmm. in the medicine. It's really a trance one. Um, and so we went back to it and literally I had these lyrics that, that had come through back when I wrote the first song, but I, I had it muted in the, in, the, you know, in the file because it was for dialogue, it was for the documentary. So I was like, that's going to be too distracting. So I, it's not in there. So I went back and pulled these lyrics out and I'm like, oh, they were hidden in this thing. And so I started like working with them. I, I showed them to Amani. And he's and he was like, Yeah, and there's more there. Like he kind of pushed me a little bit further. And it was mm-hmm. perfect because then this whole other melody came out. And so the song that's on the remix album, it's actually kind of a new song. Yeah. In truth. It's well, like all of them kind of are a new song. <laughs> I mean, this is not like a slight tweak, you know, like no, these are where a hip hop song they call it a remix because like <laughs> One other rapper drops like two new bars on it, and you're like, Remix, <laughs> exactly. You know, no, this is a fucking real remix, it's and real. it turned something that was kind of trance meditation music yeah. into something that's you know, more still has some of that trancey vibe, but it's totally. also like danceable and more upbeat and kind of moves yeah. you in just different ways. And the bass and the, the way that you feel these songs is just different. Like, oh, yeah. if you're listening, it's all on Spotify, and we'll tell you how to get there, but it's ayahuasca remixes. And you got to listen to it on something with some bass. Ayahuasca remixed. <laughs> remixed. Oh, yeah, remixed. We, yeah, we did yeah, the yeah. remix because it kind of felt like you uh-huh. know, the brew getting remixed, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I'm right? saying? <laughs> One extra stir of the One spoon. One extra stir of the and spoon. And you get something totally different. Boom. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Totally. And, and, you know, the medicine was how do we take this? So when, I, when we were envisioning it, like, what's the intention? So, I, you know, Sauna, Shaman's Dream. Um, and he's the other one, that very first track, Ancestors, we collaborated on that remix. And also, I, I brought in this prayer that I opened it with, which is a, a blending of Quechua and, and Quechua in Spanish and English. You know, and just kind of brought all these elements together to open the whole album. We kind of wanted to set the intention. Mm-hmm. But as we started and we sent out the invitation letters to all these producers on DJs, we were like, okay, how do we, we're looking, we had to like select, like, who are the guys who are going to be able to keep the spirit of this medicine the spirit of the original prayer of this music in the remix because we didn't want it just to become like a pop like you know big dance song like lose that medicinal property yeah you know the spirit of it and so it was really powerful so we we sent that out that was part of the letter it's like if you choose to take on this mission you know it's like this is about how do we embody this prayer from the master plant and bring it to the dance floor and bring it to your movement prayer you know it's almost like embodying the 
the intention and the prayer of the original seed of everything that happened that we all experienced in the jungle yeah. and now bringing that into action moving forward so it can literally be the theme song as you go into battle yeah how many of the how many of the people i mean it seems like to play that type of music you have to have experienced ceremony on some level like you run in the circles with these musicians like how common is it for for them to have experienced these kind of extrasensory ecstatic states whether through plants or something else it's got to be almost universal right i think so especially with this crew like pretty much everybody every remixer on the album has has definitely sat in ceremonial space has definitely worked on on shadow work mm-hmm. like all of them they were pretty much hand selected yeah yeah because because <laughs> if you can't if you haven't i don't know i guess there, i guess you could hypothesize someone who just the music is their ecstatic state yeah. you know and they don't oh. really haven't really experienced anything else but yeah you see people now in this culture that are you know way more open especially on that kind of artistic and once you've been exposed to it and talk to people who've been through it yeah. it's almost ubiquitous now that in some way and somehow you know you found your path totally. to get out of your head to rebalance all of the craziness that's going on and find your center and you know that definitely comes through big time in the tracks yeah you feel it and yeah. and it was kind of and we w- we did some back and forth with several of the remixers it was like okay tweak this adjust this like you know we want this to be more emphasized and you know little minor tweaks here and there and it was like because we wanted this to just come through in such a powerful way that's why it took almost a year you know in the making mm-hmm. of the remixes now we won't we won't mention names but i remember you mentioning to me that there was one artist that you know who uses the plants themselves to edit his music oh yeah <laughs> all right like like makes lays down the tracks and then it's like gets on board with the plants and is like now let me see how this is and i always thought about doing that i thought about doing that with you know with subsequent books you know i have a book right i have a book right now that's called um that's i don't know when i'll release it if i'll release it whatever but it's i've been compiling this thing called shit the plants taught me right and it's all kind of laid out and i was like the only editor that makes sense for this book is the plants themselves right so like the only way i'm gonna let anybody edit this is if i get in the same state in which i got the download and then sit with it and be like see well is this right did i get it right does it resonate yeah (laughs) yeah exactly i mean you told me this so (laughs) if i got it wrong like let me know (laughs) like please edit this you know it's pretty funny though so um you know that'll eventually come out i'm just learning so much more from the plants i mean when do you release that book right you know it's like yeah. an ongoing ongoing edit. ongoing song ongoing yeah. yeah yeah and you keep tuning in keep asking keep checking right right yeah with this so that was essentially so the, the remixes were were essentially that prayer it was like how do we is it ready and like you know just really sitting with it and like feeling into it it's like okay now it's time and so we we bloomed it on november 3rd which was, you know, really powerful. And I mentioned this uh, w- on the podcast with Kyle. Um, you know, that that date, November 3rd, I almost died in 2003. That was like an anniversary date for me of when I was rolled in a car and smashed on my way to see my grandpa. I was hoping it was going to be another Amanita Muscaria mis- <laughs> mishap story. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, car <laughs> crash, wrong. That's a little, that's a little pedestrian, you know. It's a like, little pedestrian, whatever, right? <laughs> Car crash, car smash. You know, I, want, I want another accidental overdose you want on a toxic mushroom nice. story. Oh, yeah. If you're going to die, all right? Do not go out in a fucking car crash. Please. That is not the way to go. It wasn't it's gotta, time. It's got it's to be something weird if you're, if you're going weird. out. 
<laughs> yeah, the Amanita one. That was <laughs> that was definitely a close call too. We've had several very close <laughs> encounters already in this lifetime. <laughs> it's like spirit keeps saying, "Okay, your job's not done. You got work to do, homie." <laughs> and the cliff notes of the Amanita story because it's too long to get into on this podcast. <laughs> but basically, in the pre-Google iPhone days, when you didn't have all information available in the palm of your hand, and you happened upon a wild psychedelic mushroom. <laughs> You didn't know how to prepare it. You didn't know what the <laughs> dose was. You didn't know that, that Amanita is quite toxic for the first go-round. Uh, but, yeah, and those of you who are interested, there's a podcast I just dropped with uh, Taro, who's the founder of Four Sigmatic, and drops a bunch of knowledge about Amanita. So yeah. save, save that story for that. Deep respect to the Amanitas. Woo! Oh, yeah. Powerful force. Yeah, don't play with those guys unless you really know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you, and you got someone who's pissed you really want to drink <laughs> exactly it's the only way to roll all right so the the liquid bloom album yeah and the icaros yeah right so in tradition icaros are taught by the plants or taught by the medicine or taught by something else in the but there is yeah. but there is like a language there is like a lexicon because ultimately mm -hmm. the plants provide information but that information doesn't come in english and it doesn't come mm -hmm. in you know, still it's being translated through some kind of symbolic structure. And so I think you went about teaching yourself the symbolic structure and then opened yourself up to, you know, the Icaros, which really just flow through, right? Is exactly. that kind of how it goes? Yeah, essentially, you know, I, I didn't have the luxury to do a full-on dieta and to go down in the jungle to receive these. So for me, it was like, it was more about getting myself into that meditative state, dropping into the, into the medicine mm -hmm. in that way, even without the medicine. For me, you see, for me, and, and I think, you know, and I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, but I, I trust that most ayahuasqueros would agree with this, is that the medicine is always in us. It's always with us. Yeah. The moment we say yes to go sit, the moment it's already started, the ceremony's already begun. That's for sure. Right? And you've, you've felt this yourself. And so there's something really profound in the frequency, the vibration of the music. I, I relate it to like homeopathy. You know, homeopathy is like this vibrational medicine. I relate nothing about ayahuasca to homeopathy. <laughs> I put those as far on the opposite side. No. Of, of, I think maybe something's working to fuck, fuck, <laughs> oh shit, fuck. That's the spectrum for What's, me. Well, with there's, the homeopathy the subtle, there's the subtle, 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 right? And there's the so I, I either need to get your, I either need to get your homeopathy. Check. Or, or you need to get my ayahuasca. Check. One way or another, <laughs> those things aren't lining up. <laughs> well, I mean it in so much as the the music is like it it carries the frequency, the vibration, right? right? And yeah. so that's I guess that's what I mean. It's like the, in the same way that you can take this like super diluted, it's like a spoonful of whatever it is diluted in the body of a lake, and you got yeah. a spoonful of that water, and then you take it, and somehow it still has a medicinal effect. It's like the music when you start to just think of the melody, when you start to feel, just hum it, almost like it immediately calls in those those plant teachers. Yeah. And they start working through you. And so in the same way, it's like I was able to drop into those states in meditation and I didn't have to sit with the plant medicine. And I was able to call in that spirit to like, okay, work with me. What, what wants to come through? What's yeah. the message? What is the medicine right now for this moment, for this sound? And so in the studio, in my little cave there in Sedona, I was able to really bring in these pieces. And, and it was amazing. It was like literally one of those things where in the process, as I was doing these, you know, trying to do takes and, you know, I'm, I'm running the whole session myself, you know, all the recording and everything. It's like a lot of times you, you lose all inspiration. Like by the time you've set up the mic and you got all the levels set and then you're like, okay, record. Yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. So literally it was like I had it all set up 
And then I went out on the land and I come back and just drop in and just let it go. And there was no pre-intended, no like writing out a lyric. It yeah. was just freestyle. Yeah. I remember when I was in my Rose Dieta. Um, so that was an interesting thing because in the tradition, if you die at the plant well, you get the Ikaro at the yeah, end. Totally. And that was stressing me the fuck out because I've <laughs> never created a song in my life. I, I have like a like creating melodies just from my head. I mean, I can play the flute and something will develop. But if I think about it, same with drums. If I could think about a beat, I'm toast. <laughs> That's it. Right? Like I'm <laughs> done. Mind. So I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to get an Ikaro, no matter how well I die at this plant, <laughs> no matter what I do. And then I was, remember, we did some some body work during the dieta. That's right. And a rose Ikaro came through you. And I was like, oh, man, that's beautiful. I have no chance. <laughs> but then, sure enough, like last days, like a little song and melody came through, like my own little Ikaro yeah. that I got. And it was it was cool because I've been, I was thinking about it for like the whole last week, like trying to write stuff. It was like, well, I can write a poem. I guess maybe my Ikaro is a poem. And I was just th- <laughs> using my brain. And then all of a sudden it just like slapped me awake. And I was like, oh. And it had the melody and it had the words. And I just had to get out of the way. Yeah. And I should yeah. really, I haven't you sung said it, it in a long time. Get out of the way though. Get out of the way. That's the key. That's um, the we'll try and play as many of these tracks that we're listening to here. <laughs> totally. So that people can <laughs> drop in and feel it as well. The other thing. With subwoofer. With subwoofer, <laughs> yes, or at least get you know get one of those good, good bass, good headphones, good headphones. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to chat with you about is you went through your own initiation ceremony that sounded far beyond you know anything that I've experienced, and you got invited to participate in the Sundance. Mm. And so you know, tell us a little bit about that and how that experience went. Yeah, God, so much has happened since the last time I we know, said, right? huh? So, so Sundance, yeah, you know, I, I got reinvited actually is, is how it's kind of, you could think of it. You know, I, when I was 12 years old, my, my mother Sundance for eight years when I was a young man and at age 12, um, I was invited to also dance and I wasn't ready at that time. Um, and explain when you say my mother Sundance, that might sound to some people like, <laughs> yeah, she's cruising out in the sun, sundress, dancing you know, around, dancing around. <laughs> maybe has like a champagne and mimosa, a little... <laughs> You know, like, well, who knows what a Sundance is? <laughs> it ain't that. It ain't that. No, you know, Sundance is, is one of the seven sacred ceremonies of Lakota Sioux that, you know, was handed down and, is, and has been also um, adopted by other tribes, you know, with permission. Um, the Diné, specifically the Navajo, and where I, where I danced um, up at Little Big Medicine is the name of the Sundance. And it's, it's there near the Four Corners in wheat fields up on the Navajo Nation, the Diné Nation. And it's it's a magical place, and you know they've gone up to to Sundance up in the Lakota, you know the Lakota traditional lodge, and brought the pipe, the chanupa, to run the Sundance, and it's been going on for over 15 years in this particular location. Um, my mom danced at a camp called Anime Camp um, at Big Mountain, mm-hmm. and at the time, you know we just kind of been back. We were in Tucson. She started to frequent a drum drum circle although again another misnomer a lot of people who think drum circle think a bunch of djembe's around a fire you know and, and dreadlocks um this which this, is a drum circle but which, not this which drum is circle. not this drum circle this is yeah. more traditional yeah native drum circle and learning these songs you know these medicine songs and you know i was eight years old at that time and um we started to go and i was this is when i did my first inipi ceremony sweat lodge ceremony purification uh, as an eight-year-old and would go and it was like just kind of getting fully indoctrinated into that work, into that medicine path. And she was eventually adopted by a Diné elder. 
and would then was invited to Sundance. And you have to be invited. Um, it's, if, if you're taking notes on how to build a wizard, take <laughs> notes at eight years old. First sweat lodge. <laughs> Poor lunch. At 12 years old, first ayahuasca. <laughs> Follow the path, everyone. If you're looking to build a small wizard into a big wizard, take notes. Okay, carry on. So, so, we, so we eventually then went up to Big Mountain. So I would go every summer with her, and she committed to Sundance. Sundance is a four-year commitment. So one cycle or one year to a Sundancer is four years to everybody else mm -hmm. and so it means committing to going every four year, every year you go in the summer and just to describe it to you all um a sundown ceremony is essentially it's nine days it's four days of preparation of just getting the body ready purification you build the arbor you start to prepare the grounds and prepare yourself and then four days of the dance where the dancers go into a food and a water fast and we dance from before sunrise with the rising sun all the way to sunset you do two sweat rounds in the morning and two sweat rounds in the evening so it's four without rounds. any water and no water you maybe have a little sip of water in the sweat mm -hmm. but like doesn't really count you're basically getting like you know <laughs> mm -hmm. so you're essentially fully dehydrated and fully your body's just going through this and the whole point is to have vision is basically take your body to the brink of death yeah you know and the whole really the, the medicine comes out of going to that edge just in the physical being and really testing your body, taking it through the most difficult paces it could ever go through so that you can receive a vision. Yeah. But actually, you've left out an even more intense part of it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right. So no food, no water. We're going to go to Sweat Lodge. At the peak of summer gonna, in the desert. Peak of summer in the desert. And we're going to dance all day. Yes. But, but more. Dancing is key. And then of the four days, um, you know, and, and there's different ways to pray. You know, If that doesn't sound intense enough for you. <laughs> Hold there's on. There's more. There's definitely more. <laughs> you know, and, and the key to all of this is that, you know, you're going into this trance state. You are praying and you're going into the suffering because you're praying for everyone. You're praying for the earth. You're praying for all, all sentient beings, all your relations. The mitakuyo yasin is very applicable here. This is where this really comes from, I think, in anchors. And for me is where I really got the embodied teaching of it. Because on one of the days, the four days, you can choose which day you, we have what's called the piercing round. And so you'll pierce. And the way that you pierce, there's, there's numerous ways that the dancers can pierce, you know, whether that be off of the chest, on the back, um, you know, you pull skulls on the back, or you, you are tied to the tree, which is one of the more common ways. It's the way I pierced for my first year. All right, so let's, let's go describe this again to the other people. So when he's saying pierce the back, you know, some people might think maybe like a nipple piercing, you know, something <laughs> friendly like that. No, 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 no. You've carved your own wooden plug. You have to, yeah, spikes. Yeah. You carve your own spike, right? And then if it's from the back, then you actually take that spike and you pierce your skin. You have help. You have help. Well, obviously it's on <laughs> your back. Chief, so you can't the chief do. and the sub chief. Right, so they you pierce know. your skin with your own spike that you whittled yeah. out. And then if it's, Skulls, you drag heavy buffalo, buffalo skulls, skulls yeah. while you dance. Multiple ones around the arbor. And the goal is to do four rounds before you break. Um, some and people, before you break, this means that when you break, that's when you actually, this, the weight of the skulls are so much that you lunge forward or dance forward or allow spirit to carry you forward. It's got to be spirit. Ideally. Otherwise, you're hurt. Otherwise, you're really hurt. <laughs> you're really hurt. And the plugs, the little spikes that you've carved and lovingly hand carved, they pull out of your back. Now, 
that's one way to do it and that's dragging skulls sometimes or, kids have to get on the skulls if it doesn't break some people have really tough so the little children little will sit skin. on it if you got tough skin yeah kids yeah. go so that way when you can really so that's one that makes sense <laughs> on <laughs> the front on no. the front and then let's describe what you did when you put it on the front because because yeah. for parangi you know the idea of dehydration and dancing for four days was like yeah whatever <laughs> i got i got was, more it was definitely attested everything Fuck that yeah. i had yeah so so profound man and the sweats you know it's like that's actually when you get your moisture because you're in the sweat lodge you're just like okay take in this water yeah, even though you're sweating your face lick yeah licking your own arm <laughs> recycle it but it's it, you know it's really about the prayer it's like you got to be in your prayer because if you get in your head it's like you're saying if you don't yeah. get out of the way just like with the ikaro for you it's like you're you're hurting because you're there all day and when you're in the prayer and you're in the dance like everything comes to you like i was getting visions i saw everyone that i've ever met everyone that's ever been a significant piece of my life like everyone coming to me in those prayers and i was able to pray for them like you have all this time and space what you're doing is just praying the strongest resistance builds the strongest adaptation truly and, you know truly. the deepest commitment to faith and the deepest commitment to you know i mean it's it's the principle behind like a tony robbins firewalk yeah. right yeah. like you have this resistance in front of you yeah and you have to have faith that you'll be able to make it through the other side and there tends to be a correlation i haven't seen the double blind study here on this but there tends to be a correlation with those and i've experienced this in my own certain ways mm -hmm. where the more you believe that you're going to make it through that thing all right for some reason the less your feet burnt mm -hmm. you know and in this way it has to be the same thing the more you have the faith that faith. you're being carried you know you're being carried through this process yeah the more that you can make it through because yeah. if you start to panic and those thoughts go through your head that nocebo effect will take place nocebo yeah or the placebo <laughs> effect of the positive belief will right. take place and we've shown time and time again whether it's lifting weights or getting sick or getting well this shit is real like there's no doubt that the nocebo and the placebo are real and i think it's just we have no idea how far that extends right you know? right literally on and it's global and it's cosmic level immense immense so for you though so you know, so my process right yeah. so literally um so the day it, it, this is really i think a significant piece for me you know it was my first year dancing and so i'd been invited like i said back at 12 my mom gave me my 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 pipe stone um which is the the stone that you have to then finish yourself carve in, you know in the tradition to make your chanupa and then eventually the wood staff which is so the feminine is the stone and the, and the wood is the is the masculine and, and would this be called a peace two. pipe this is what would be the equivalent of peace pipe or the chanupa yeah yeah and so that's what we used to pray with tabaco with you know grandfather teacher tabaco to to pr send our prayers you know mm -hmm. and those who sundance earn the right through sundance to carry the chanupa that's part of the requisite to really carry a, a chanupa in the tradition because you have to earn that. It's Damn, like it's like really stepping want, onto I, the medicine path. I really know, wanted a chanupa too. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> or you can go buy them at a trading post. Obviously, but no, it's a, it doesn't it's, count. You can't it, now. It's kind of you can't it, now. You uh, got to earn it, brother. Nope, you got to earn it. So so you know the invitation's there. <laughs> um, if you ever feel called, <laughs> edit that out, please. Edit that out. We don't need it. We don't need that. We don't need that to be public record. <laughs> We'll just pretend that uh -huh. didn't exist. We're just gonna <laughs> <laughs> sprinkle the seeds. Sprinkle little seeds, little seeds there. All right, carry on. Okay. On, so, so the chanupa. My mom gave me that stone. She said, "When you're ready, you're, you'll finish it." And I didn't know what that really meant. And it took me 24 years to really come full spiral. You know, and until one of my uncles, we were in sweat. Um, this is a couple years ago, and it actually was part of your fault. <laughs> mm. Yes. Because you went to me and you're like. P, I think it's time for us to to bring an EP ceremony 
into the retreats, the spirit optimization retreats and what yeah. we've been doing, create a rites of passage. And I was like, absolutely. And you're like, can you pour that? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> because I know, you know, my mom's been pouring lodge my whole child growing up. It's like, you have to dance. You have to complete Sundance at least one year before right. you have the right to pour a traditional lodge. And there's rainbow lodges and there's other people pour lodges and all that, but it's to do it in the way, like I can't do that just at obligation and of the path and my lineage. It's like, sure. I'd be total, you know. It'd be like someone going to the trading post and, and buying, buying it. Yeah, yeah, and saying that like, I'm a pipe carrier now, you know. It's, yeah. It's, you don't just it's something you really have to earn and because in the earning of it it's like it's like some people who go to sit in an ayah ceremony and they're like oh man i'm gonna start pouring i'm like ayah told me i'm fully certified and good like, luck with that good luck with that it's like you got to know how to hold space you have to know what to deal with when shit goes down and how to anchor sacred space in the mm -hmm. worst conditions possible mm -hmm. and that you don't just learn you don't just you know think of it cognitively you have to live it embody it and that comes through this hardship that you go through like going through the eye of the needle. And so that really brings me to this piece. So the story is that the, the first day we Sundance, I make it through the first day and I'm like, oh my God. Well, you you also <laughs> didn't know that you had to whittle your own spikes or something like that? I didn't, that. yeah. No, so I you, got had to do that, like, you had to do that late. My right? uncle left out a few key details. He's, <laughs> he's, he can be a little absent-minded. And uh, <laughs> like, oh, by the way, the things that you're stabbing into your chest, you got to make those. <laughs> you got to make your own spikes yeah. and you got to make your own harness. Because yeah. the harness ties, it's like a rope harness. You got to, it which will ultimately, the spikes come through your, you know, the fascia on your chest. And then you have to then tie the harness to that. And then that comes up and ties to the rope that's tied to the top of the tree. Yeah. And so that's kind of like how you connect to the tree. Um, and so when I got there, I saw guys working on their, on their, on their harnesses and I'm like, oh, you got to make your own harness. That's not provided. They're like, no, man, you make your own everything. You get that like, shit at REI. What yeah, you get that shit at REI. Exactly. Like, your, uh, do you have your, uh, chest piercing spikes and your, uh, the harness so I can try to the, try to the mother tree and, uh, sun dancing. And they're like, oh yeah, it's over in it's aisle seven B. <laughs> exactly. Not quite. Not quite. No. no. So, so it was really beautiful. My, my dad actually ended up helping me with the wood so my dad went out and you know i told him i was dancing and he was like he was so proud like he was more than when i went to duke on full scholarship he was like you're gonna be a sun dancer he's like he was so like that was the thing that yeah. was the thing for him he like could give a shit about duke he was like yeah. like you're I mean, gonna I, honestly i got four years of pretty good school yeah this is sounds way harder way harder <laughs> way harder man and so he he literally went out and we were gonna make it out of ironwood which grows in his yard there in the desert um where he's at and he started to work with ironwood and he's like they don't call it ironwood for nothing if i can broke like hard. multiple bits he's like there's no way i'm gonna make this iron. he started one but then he ended up making it out of purple heart which is also beautiful wood that comes mm -hmm. from brazil and so my dad made my pipe stem just the rough of it with the hole and then i finished it and then the two together it's my mom and my dad that's and, the pipe but you had to make your plugs too yeah so then he cut some extra wood for me and then yeah. i i carved those into the spikes yeah. And so basically I had my spikes out of the same wood as my chanupa, which is a super hard wood. Traditionally, it's, it's choke cherry is the wood that they use, um, which is actually a softer wood. It's still hard, but it can break sometimes. That's terrible. Yeah. So it was really nice to have the purple heart. And so I kind of was trusting that it was going to work. Yeah. And I got there and the chiefs were like, yeah. Are you, you going to pierce your chest the, with the same piece? Yeah. In, yeah. yeah. Subsequent years. You kind of keep them if you can. Some people yeah. lose them. I learned a little trick is because they go flying out of your chest when you finally break. So you tie off some sinew on the end and tie it to uh -huh. your harness so that when it goes, they they yeah. stay with you. 
Yeah. So that's a tip if anyone ever wants to. Yeah, sure. Lots of people. Take notes. If you want to bring out your journal, if you find yourself in that situation, you're go. worried about your chest spikes flying you out don't as, lose you, them, as you pull off the tree. So let me tell you this. So, so the first day. So one of the things that made me finally say yes was first you instigated me and you're like, we want to do lodge. So then I like, it started to like be there in my field again. It was like stirring up in me these old questions like, oh, am I going to Sundance this lifetime? Is that my calling? Like I'd kind of not felt ready to make that huge of a commitment. And then I came out of a sweat around solstice. This is a couple years ago after you'd done that, said that to me. And I literally come out of that, that lodge and I go to shake my uncle's hand. He's like, so you're going to dance this year? And before my brain could say a thing, I'm all, yep. <laughs> and I go like, like one of those moments where you're like, oh, oh what, what did I just do? do? And, so, and so that next year, I, in honor of my word, I went out there and I went to support him to reconnect. And I was there and I ended up, long story short, I was invited to end up drumming. They were short drummers. So I actually started drumming on the big medicine drum, you know, for ceremony. And, and I ended up supporting the drummers and singing there. And as I did that, man, it started to really move stuff in me. I'm like, okay, I'm really feeling the energy. Because I could literally hit the drum, because the whole ceremony is powered by the drum. And so this drum is going the whole time. And it's like this energy. I literally saw the energy go like from the drum, vibrating out into the tree. And like the tree was like this massive antenna out to the dancers. And then it's like rippling out of the arbor, like a massive toroidal field. It's just like sending these prayers out across the earth. It was just like, oh. This is, some, mm -hmm. this is some of the deepest, most primordial technology. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like making these offerings truly to the earth and connecting through the drum, through the dance. And I just, it was like, oh, okay, I need to do this. Yep. And the tipping point was one dancer specifically who was out there dancing and he's a white brother who was out there. And it was amazing because I'm watching him and I'm like, and, and he's, just, he's just there strong in his prayer. And that day, like the second day of Sundance, my uncle comes up to me. He's like, hey, can you go into the arbor and work on him a little bit, you know, and do some of your bodywork magic on him? He's really hurting. So I go into the arbor. They give me permission to walk in. And he's laying there, man, in his skirt because we wear a long red skirt and then no shirt, you know, nothing on top. And the crown with the eagle feathers. And he's there with the skirt in between arbor. And this brother has a prosthetic limb. Damn. And I'm seeing his leg and I'm like, what? Like, you're out there doing all this on this prosthetic, like prosthetic limb, you know, and dancing as if you couldn't tell he was on a prosthetic limb, like going for it, you know. And when I saw that and I thought about all my stories of why I couldn't do it and why, da 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 da, I was like, all right, shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. this is medicine. And I was so moved by him. And so his name's Mike. And I ended up sleeping next to Mike in the arbor this year when I danced. And it was so beautiful, man. The first day I make it through and I'm, I'm sitting there next to Mike and we start rapping before we go to sleep. You know, we just finished the sweat in the evening. And, you know, I can hear the, the water drum kicking off because they're going to the peyote ceremony. They also are doing ceremony um, there nearby. And it's just so beautiful. Do, 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 do. And they're singing the songs and I'm sitting there in the arbor with him. And I'm like, when do you pierce? And he's like, well, he's like, I like to pierce on day two. He's like, a lot of people wait till day three or day four. You know, that, the chiefs all pierce on day four. And he's like, it's too, it's too chaotic. There's too much going on. He's like, I think just pierce right up front. And like, it's like open, clear. And then you're in that prayer deep for the rest of the time. And I said, why, why do we pierce? Like, what's, I've never really gotten the real download. Like, mm. what's, why this offering? Why this sacrifice? And because you have the option, your very first year you ever dance, you could choose not to pierce. You could just, yeah. you can do it the second, the three next years. And um, he said, you know what? He's like, the piercing is actually really ancient. Only the men long ago would pierce. And it was very much about 
honoring the women. He says, because when the men pierce this offering of the flesh and this immense pain, it's the little, little, little offering to honor all the pain that women bear to give life. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this way that we truly honor the feminine because it's like in offering ourselves and feeling, experiencing this pain, just giving it so that life can be. It's like it gives us this deeper embodied compassion for the feminine. And when he said that, man, it hit me so deep. And I was just like, okay. That's when I knew. It was like, first I was like second one in line the next day, you know, for to dance. And, and I jumped in the line to pierce. And they, they mark you with the war paint right in the spot where you're going to get marked and, and receive the piercing. And I went out there, and you have two options. You can, either, you can either stand, and they'll pierce you standing, or you can fall back, and they catch you, and they do you on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I opted for that. And it was just this moment, man. I just went right. As soon as I just fell back, and they caught me and laid me down, and the chief and the sub-chief just you know, put that piercing right through me. It was just like the pain just dissolved. There was no pain. And I was immediately in like a medicine state. It's mm-hmm. deeper than any Aya journey I've ever had. It's like I was just in that space. Aldous Huxley talks about some of the mechanism of action behind that in the doors of perception, mm. you know, in all of the different, you know, he didn't talk about Sundance, but he talked about the flagellists who would whip their back, mm-hmm. you know, in that tradition right. until they would reach this ecstatic state. And he, he talks about that in detail. And I don't recall it quite well enough to go into that, but there's also, you know, from everything that you're doing yeah. from the dehydration to right. the <clears throat> exertion of energy, the trance of the music, the, piercing themselves everything is coalescing the fasting everything is coalescing to put you in you know the highest visionary state possible exactly and i and i was totally there and it was like the pain was gone i got up still be back up and my piercings in and then my uncle helped and you know uh, ashley was with me and my two little brothers actually came up too so it was beautiful it was like my family was right there and they walked me he walked me to the tree and at the tree put on the harness you know, first they have you pray to the tree. And, and when I got down to the tree in that moment, I just started to weep, like one of the deepest cries of my life. And in that moment, I literally, as I crouched down to this beautiful cottonwood tree, and I literally saw like every life form that I've ever killed, every life form that I've ever been a part of killing, either indirectly or directly, every cockroach I've ever stepped on, every mosquito, um, every flesh, every fish that I've ever, the flesh that I've ever taken into my body, they all came in that moment and were there and with me in that moment. And it was just like this deep forgiveness and asking for forgiveness. And like, I'm so sorry, so sorry. Thank you for giving your life so that I can be here right now. Mm. And please accept my humble apology and my humble offering here, you know, so that life can be. You all gave your life, like that sacrifice, you know, and that of our moms and my mama. And it was just one of the most powerful cries, man, and just offerings in that moment. And I proceeded to then get up. He put the harness on me, and I went out for my four rounds of dancing. And so you tie up to the tree, and then you pull back until the rope is fully extended and you're literally your skin is like pulling right off your chest like this and that's how that you know that you're engaged with the tree like you're fully connected yeah and then you no dance slack on the rope you dance the hardest dance you've ever danced and and one of the warriors was telling me um on the first day we had to go into the chiefs and like explain why we wanted to dance and like make our pledge for the four years yeah and they you know he, i heard him say this and he says in the lokota they would say like you really are dancing you know you want to make that rope bounce like that rope should be jumping around like the way the battle ropes jump around Mm -hmm. like you want to see that thing flying and that's when you know you're like in it 
And so I just, that stuck with me. And so I just went for it, man. I had my eagle feather and I was just like, I was dancing so hard, man. The rope was just flying around off my chest. And I was just like in the trance. And then they would switch to the moment where I'd go back to the tree, I'd pray again, and then I'd go back out and dance. And then on the fourth round is when you, you give it all your energy that you have left and you pull off the tree and until the spikes and, and a lot of people you know you could fall like anything could happen and i i just it's just it was beautiful man how did you know my chest. <laughs> how'd you know that moment did you just you just had that feeling like this is the time now right like as mm. it's kind of like reminds me of that kind of when you're in eye ceremony and you're like should i purge should i not purge? should i purge should i, I not like purge? shit maybe <laughs> yeah, I should yeah, purge. <laughs> yeah. was there that moment or was it just like really clear that you oh. knew that you had to pull back Were oh like, the time when it was yeah. time yeah, it was. Um, I was pulling hard, and it wouldn't break. Yeah, it was actually really, really. I, w- I was having a hard time, and, and there was actually one of the sub chiefs came over, and it was really interesting. And he was like, "Big Dene, brother," and he was like, "It's like, come on, you want you don't want me to break that for you?" He was kind of like, kind of giving me a hard time, like you know, uh-huh. like kind of, oh, come on, you got to dance harder, dance for everyone who's suffering right now, pull that, and it's just like he was kind of like that coach, you know, yeah, and it was yeah, like yeah. it's like. And I just, I like almost, and I had that eagle whistle in my mouth and I was playing that eagle whistle and it was just like, I was like the eagle that's like trapped, you know what I mean? Held and all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's just like, boom and it just ripped off and I landed on my feet and immediately they grab you by, because we have these sage bracelets and mm-hmm. anklets for protection because no one can touch your body when you're in that state. You're like pure, right. essentially it's as pure as you can get as a, an adult human yeah. and they take you by the bracelet and they run you around the, the whole arbor. And that kind of like that march and all the other sand, sun dancers are dancing, basically holding space for you. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it was just like this moment, man. It's like your chest bleeding. You're just like deep in it. Uh, and that, it was just, it just it knew it was the moment. It was like him saying, and especially when he said, you're dancing for all those suffering right now. It just took me, man. I was just like, okay, what am I doing? It's like, boom. And it just broke. Yeah. When you go from that eye focus to that universal yeah cosmic focus like that's the that's the thing that drives you ultimately you know and that's i think the thing you can only find in ceremony when things get really tough or yeah even in even in life when things get really tough you keep focusing on yourself yeah you're gonna get burned out you know there's no way you can do it but when you transfer that to the limitless yeah what am i doing for everyone at that point you have seemingly unlimited energy it's unlimited you know and unlimited resolve yeah because it's not about you anymore (laughs) you know it's about someone else and i think that's a beautiful moment that we all need to put ourselves yeah. against some kind of challenge so we find that so we realize that when we do get lost in our own selfish egoic thoughts which are fine and normal and we all have them and it's all part of the all part of the game but if you really want to get driven if you really want to get fired up you have to transfer i to we and then we to everyone yeah and and i and i really get why you have to go through the portal of sundance to really walk a medicine road in that, you know, in the red road, yeah. in the beauty way, because um, it really hones you in. There's like, it really humbles you in a whole other level, you know, and deep appreciation for water. I mean, unlike any, I mean, talk about, I get, here's one thing to say, mini wichoni, you know, water is life. Oh yeah, water is sacred, water, <laughs> da, da, da. Man, when you go through that, you really get, <laughs> Yeah, ain't shit happening on this little dirt ball in space if we don't have water, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> it's just like we gotta you know it's like it really it is very motivating i know why people will give their lives to protect the water yeah you know the other thing that i, I think stands out from that is 
if you look back in the you know old Native American way, mm. every animal they killed, they killed it with the prayers and with the gratitude mm. before they harnessed you know all of the energy and all of the tools yeah. from the hooves to the skin to the sinews to the bladders to the mm-hmm. horns to the every aspect of that animal. But so they were living in accord with always being in balance with the gratitude and reciprocity. You know, so when they danced, they didn't have to do a big catch up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like every time as they went, they were saying thank you the whole way. And I can imagine that for those of us, myself included, who rarely said thank you for the animals that I've consumed, you know, that's, you know, there is kind of a big, a big catch up to do, you yeah. know, and because I, I remember, you know, when I took my first deer from the field, I felt that. I mean, mm-hmm. there was prayers with that deer the whole way. You know, as it was, it was a clean shot, you know, and as it was laying down and I put my, you know, put a knife that I purified the night before and I held its head and I said a prayer and I put it through its heart, you know, to end its suffering there. Like that was a really deeply powerful moment and just mm. deep, deep gratitude. And that gratitude extended from now that skin is underneath my altar and, and that meat, you know, carried us through dozens of meals, you know, and there was always this like, it had a different energetic quality the whole way through. Right. But like if I go and get, you know, a, a grass fed burger somewhere, you know, I'm generally not taking the time to imagine that because I had no connection with it. Somebody else killed it. Right. Somebody else prepared it and it showed up to me as a burger. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I didn't totally. I didn't take the time to connect with that animal. And yeah. it's it's a different way of living, but still possible to do that. Just take that moment, you know, to say thanks like mm-hmm. thanks that's all you need to say it's not like we're saying don't ever eat meat we're just saying you know abide by the reciprocity which at the very basic level is fucking thank you like yeah. i appreciate you yeah you, you know? died so that i can live right and and, and i'll live in a way so that all creatures you. and all our, our, everything else can survive even longer mm. you know and that's that's our part because we are right. ultimately the beings on this planet that will either facilitate the destruction or steward or steward and save this planet from the cataclysmic destruction that is inevitable like that's that's the choice we have as humans right now we either fucking keep fucking around with each other and pretending that we're different and oh this is my people and this is your people and fuck you know fuck this political party and fuck this you know culture or whatever mm-hmm. or we decide wait we're humans and we're the only ones that can do something about a potential meteor strike or a potential you know volcanic eruption that's going to put the earth in 10,000 years of darkness and wipe out most of the species or the contamination of all or the that contamination rivers and ocean of everything and plastic yeah. and like what are what are we doing <laughs> what are we doing? what are we doing yeah like we have we have the choice to be one or the other and we're not and yet ur- making that choice it's urgent and it's urgent yeah. and we can't wait right yesterday i just got this new the headline freaking 210,000 gallons just lost from the freaking keystone pipeline while they're trying to convince the XL Standing Rock pipeline to be passed and to, to operate, they, they didn't notice until they dumped all this crude into the river at the other spot. And they just, they noticed when the pressure got down, like really low, then they shut it off. And it's like, are you kidding? Yeah. Like, that's exactly what we're talking about. I mean, it's not, it's not a hypothesis. Like, this is real shit. And we don't have the luxury anymore. It's like, we've really, we're there. And so the urgency is more than ever, I believe. And I know on a visceral level, on a cellular level, that we have to be earth keepers. Yep. We are the earth keepers. We're, we're the two-leggeds. We were inherited the power of fire. 
we are the stewards of our birthright as human beings, as these monkeys, right? Swimming monkeys, to have fire and fire and all its manifestations and evolution into technology, right? Which is, that's still fire. It still makes you warm, go near a computer, feel your yep. phone. Yep. It puts off heat. So we need to be the ones. We can't forget. We can't think there's some other species that's going to do this. All the species are looking at us right now. This whole planet's looking at us like, okay, leaders, yeah. are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's the double, it's a double-edged threat because we're slowly destroying it. And we may even succeed in destroying it before the earth is naturally going to destroy it again anyways. Like the earth goes through massive upheavals where most things die, you know, and we're pretty... And, Inevitably. Although yeah. we're speeding that up, And right? we're speeding it's that like... up. We're just hustling it. We're hustling it to the point where earth is like, you know, that's going to be the only reset that's actually going to save this thing before we truly fuck it up, right? Or we switch it around and then you know, stop ourselves from completely eroding the planet and also prepare ourselves so that sentient species and the species that exist can continue to survive absolutely you know and that's the that's our sacred directive but we just haven't accepted it yet and i think a lot of people you know one of the reasons why i focus so much on consciousness is just trying to fix the downstream problems is like taking a small cup and trying to bail out that crude oil once it hits the water like that's a it's important you know we'll need to clean off the little animals that we can when there's an oil spill and but we got to shift the consciousness we need to stop of the people who have the tankers you know and and the people who are everything across the board but then you know even you say something like switch oil like that is a massive shift in reallocation of resources so that people can survive and right. economies can survive right. and food supply can exist so there's not mass famine right? right so it's like it all has to start from a shift in consciousness and a shift in everybody who's been holding these resources is you know stuck in their little ego games of mine 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 exactly. i need a bigger fucking house i need a bigger fucking plane i need a blah 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 whatever the whatever their game is mm. and realize like okay we have the ability to start making shifts but we need to start making that a priority absolutely and that leads Urgently. consciousness leads it has to you have to love here you have to love the you have to love yourself love the planet and love the people and the creatures in it and if you don't First, love yourself. If you're in this, you know, running from your own self-loathing, you got no chance. If life is terrible, why not just let life die? Right. You know, so many people are suffering. People think they're like, these are these nefarious, these nefarious evil people. No, just life sucks for them. Life is miserable. They're in their own hell. They're disconnected. So if you're in hell and you have the chance, well, maybe we'll just destroy hell. Fuck it. You know, like if you believe that life is hell because of your own shit that you're trapped in yeah let it burn right. fuck it but it's not hell <laughs> it's heaven it's totally heaven and and we they just have to see that they have to release their trauma they have to get past these blocks yeah and then at that point i think people will be motivated in in the irony is it's why we came here yeah like we embodied these souls embodied so that we could have the experience the journey the hero's journey to heal ourselves to reconnect because once we're connected that emptiness that we feel inside is no longer empty. It's literally connected back to the source that we came from. Mm -hmm. And so that comes from when we, we stop identifying with ourselves as this separate individual ego with its wants and desires. And, you know, we shift into this, wait, I'm actually part of this fabric. I'm, you suffering is actually also me suffering. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful realization. It's the highest level of empathy. And that's what we're here to do is we're here to master that level of empathy and compassion 
because out of that place, there's no question that we wouldn't be defending the water. We wouldn't be defending our neighbor. We wouldn't be defending what needs to happen, what's right for the elephants right now. When Trump passes a law that Americans can go over and, and kill elephants to bring home his trophies and put their heads on his wall because his son just did that. Like, it's mind-boggling. Mm. It's mind-boggling. These species are some of the oldest record keepers. They hear through their feet on the earth. Like, they're that connected to the earth. The greatest land mammals, you know? They're like the whales of the land. And how could we ever even consider wanting to harm those beings? They have so much to teach us if we could listen. Yeah. Which, it's great, yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's, it's twisted. <clears throat> it, is an interesting, it is an interesting time. And there's certainly other thoughts about that idea of, you know, hunting these different animals because the village can't eat the elephant and but do we need know, to they can't but do they need to but how else is that village getting money you know what i mean it's a very complicated very complicated time but what is money they need money because they just they lost their ways of how to create their own resources how to well, access clean water years of years of right colonization colonization and also just years of corruption you Which know just colonization. people taking well corruption exists even without colonization people taking advantage of other people has been fundamental level. Yeah. It's been a fundamental issue. Gr- greed. It's just back greed. to the good old. It's greed. Yeah. It's it's not seeing everybody else as your right. as your brother as you. and sister as you. You know, and it's the dark side of tribalism. Dominant tribes in any region, whether it was the Aztecs, who would just go wantonly around mm-hmm. and just take prisoners of every other tribe they could. Actually, you advanced in right. in the army from Eagle Knight to Jaguar Knight to whatever, which actually determined how many wives you got in the system. So how much pussy you got was determined by how many fucking prisoners you took mm-hmm. and gave to the pyramids so that their hearts could get ripped out. I mean, talk about like no, it was it was definitely it was dark. It was the dark, dark. And in Africa, you know, in Africa there was tribes taking right. slaves from other tribes. Right. And we have this natural instinct. Sure, it played out on the ma- most massive scale when certain tribes got technology, guns, and things well, that they could subdue yeah. massive things. But the impulse has been there ubiquitously everywhere now balance that with say the shavin right but then the other the counter impulse has been there especially when a culture has been wrapped around uh ceremony and wrapped around particularly ceremony like something like the wachuma which is a very hard opening opening, connecting thing and so shavin was a culture if you haven't heard me talk about it that flourished in peru um 2000 years ago somewhere around there 2500 years ago and for like 800 years as the shavin culture Rain. There was no sign of no any kind of war, no sign of massive conflict, and it was because they would hold these massive wachuma, which we now call San Pedro, a very kind of serotonergic mechanism of action, which fosters that sense of love and connection through the through the cactus, and they would offer that to all of the pilgrims that came by at all levels, at all not, levels, not just nobility, everybody. You know? And then for themselves, they would mm. sniff a little vilka. <laughs> down in the crypt right? to keep themselves in line that was that was what they kept sacred that's why they called it bilka is actually translated as the sacred mm. which is 5-meo dmt and ndmt and bufotenim so not everybody got that but everybody got <laughs> everybody got the wachuma and it just you know building it around instead of conquest and ego you had something that r- mm. reliably could take you out of that space because you can't expect people to be out of the ego unless you give them the tools to show them the other side like, how are we going to expect these people who I've just mentioned, who are in hell, who are, have only one mentality, unless they've tasted the other way, they won't have an appetite for it. You know, you have to allow people to taste it. And as we've removed all the ritual and removed all the tools that allow people mm. to experience that, they got no chance. Mm. 
yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge piece. And like right now, we have no rites of passage. Like in our culture, in Ameri- oh. and I say our culture, American culture, you know, what is our rites of passage? It's driver's license, the ability to go drink alcohol, numb yourself out to get wasted. Like, what is it? Like, there's no... So people seek surrogates. And right. the surrogates are maybe join the military, right? Which is, in a way, a noble cause. You know, if you think of it that way, like, your, I'm your going to... Trump. Right. But the problem is, I think, I think most of the impulse is noble. I think people think, because yeah. no, they sure. know they're willing to die. And, they, and if you're willing to die... In service they're they're willing to die in service of something it's just the problem is that at the very top level the leadership has their fucking head in their ass so they're not actually you know while the people are noble and the cause is noble and the impulse is heroic mm. you know the decisions are they have which they have no choice over you That's just have thing. to follow orders your job is to die yeah Soldier's job duty is to die you know like are the people at the top level is is trump really dropping in and really coming from the highest place or the top general no they're not and so should they be followed? You know, like that's the, that's the question. It's not the, it's not the impulse of those who serve, which is like, and they should be celebrated mm-hmm. for that heroic impulse. Absolutely. It's just, what are, what are we doing? And do we need to do that? Right. So, so that's one surrogate. And then for women, maybe it's, it's childbirth. Cause like you said, that is this offering of pain mm-hmm. and sacrifice for life. So maybe you're driven to have children earlier just cause mm-hmm. you want that rite of passage. I think we crave these rites of passage and we'll right. find surrogates, join a gang or, a fraternity in its way yeah. is its own kind of yeah, hazing like rite of passage, but it's all dumb. It has no like, yeah. it has a little bit of pain and discomfort, just enough to bond you with somebody, but it doesn't have the the conduit that really drive higher consciousness. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's one of the powerful pieces about a lot of native traditions would have some form of vision quest, you know, mm-hmm. and this, that kind of ceremony is so important. It really takes you into that space of being on your own, alone, and going within, uh, and in a context that can be really, really scary, facing your your deepest fears of, of alone, because we're alone coming and we're alone going out of this life. And so when you bring that into that moment of a ceremony, having to face that and having to then not just face it, but then ask it for teaching, receive that teaching, and then integrate that, embody that. It's one of the most powerful things. And that's why I know we've talked about this, you know, for creating a rites of passage for people and creating those for people, healthy ones that are in a, in a creative, constructive way that are going to empower you rather than just numb you out, rather than just, you know, yeah, go to the bar, get wasted. Yeah, yeah. that's really, I mean, and that is, the, that is the ritual that we have with our friends. And I know I've, I've talked to you a little bit about reimagining, mm-hmm. creating ritual, like intentionally creating ritual. Yeah. And it doesn't need, you know, you can adopt another culture's ritual or something else that exists or you can just create your own rituals mm-hmm. you know think about something that puts you in a position that will cause you to have to adapt with mm. higher thinking or getting out of the way or yeah. there's a million ways that you can do that and i think people inherently you know will get addicted to those you know these big wave surfers or these people who are climbing these mountains in intense cold and Right. You know, even the a very simple Wim Hof breathing practice is about finding resistance and using that to create an adaptation where you have to overcome. Well, but whatever that is, we need it. We need it. And and one one thing just to put it out there to people, it's like, why not create rituals around being in service of others? Mm. So what about like going to refugees? Like yep. go to, go to you know where where refugees are trying to cross the ocean there and literally support them, receive them, help them. Like, what a powerful way to drop in, you know. Sure. And to feel that, feel humanity and help humanity in that way with, with your brother or sister. Yeah. Like, profound. Again, that's going to be the strongest motivation, you know, but 
it's okay to get yourself fit for service first. In fact, it's necessary. Essential. You know, if you're not ready to help another person because you're all fucked up, then go through your own shit first. For sure. Right? Before, <laughs> but but the, actually the process of helping others will often be the most helpful thing for you too. So it's that balance. Yeah. You know, being able to do that. Ask, your, ask yourself, ask your highest self, see what the answer is. Yeah. Mm. This is, a, it's an interesting time because you can look out and say like, oh man, things are so fucked up. What are mm-hmm. we going to do? But, you know, if, if you have the warrior's heart, if you have the warrior's heart and you look around and you'd say, yeah, the odds are great. They're stacking against us. Momentum seems to be pulling the other direction, but there's a growing sense of resistance. There's a growing consciousness that's ready. Like if you're, if you have a warrior's heart, now is the, the greatest time we could ever live. Absolutely. Because if we bring our very best effort, if we summon all that we have, if we allow all of the help and all of everything that we can possibly bring to bear, we just might get it done, <laughs> you know? And fuck, there's no better, there's no better place to be for a warrior. You don't want to be, you don't want to be the odds on favorite, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be sitting with your army at a million and you got to wipe out a 50,000, you know, underarmed and undermanned, you know, you don't want to be the guy with the Gatling gun on mm. in last samurai. Mm. You want to be the samurai with your swords and maybe just maybe you can make it to those guns. And maybe, just maybe, you can change the world. Mm. Or at least go out on your shield trying. Well, yeah. We don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. We have no choice. It's now or nothing. And I think all species are looking at us, all life, on this only little jewel that we have, you know, floating in space. We forget. It's a long way to the next sort of not-so-great place to live. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, this why whole recolonization we, of people want to go to Mars. Here. I look at people who go, wanna, you want to fucking go to Mars? Like, are you crazy? I can put you in a box in a desert if you want. It'll be better. Like, if you want to, like, it's called the biosphere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's so insane. Like, yeah. we're, re- we're really ready to throw this one in, like, fucking crumple this one up. Like, get out of here. Come on. It's, yeah. We got to do this. Yeah. Exactly. And, and she's, she's asking us. She's screaming at us, like, come on, guys. So I just, yeah, I really, really encourage everyone track what that is for you, find what that is that activates you. And to be in service, it's it's what we've come here to do. Hoka, hoka, let's go. Hmm. Um, where can people connect with you, brother? Yeah, uh, my website porangi.com, p-o-r-a-n-g-u-i.com has all of our upcoming stuff. A uh, couple big retreats we're doing out in Hawaii, ecstatic dance retreats coming up here in November, and then again in February. Um, and then, of course, uh, I'm working this winter on the next album my solo live looping project chakaruna nice bridger yeah so really excited to to bring that up and just like in the in-betweens of all the running around trying to get that burst and finished yeah really excited for that um and then yeah we're we're stoked we're gonna be doing another retreat with anahata uh shamanic soul retreat in april so yeah some really good chances to drop in even deeper and then touring this this last year is just amplified and this coming year is going to just be a lot more of sharing this message, taking it out to the world and uh, yeah, activating people in that way. And just amazing, you know, just watching people just really get lit up, mm-hmm. you know, through that sound. Yeah. Such good medicine. You don't need anything external. It's just all built in. And check out this Ayahuasca remixed album. Whew. There's some Bandcamp links if you really want to support P. Thank if you. not, <laughs> drop in on Spotify, get your, get, yeah. get your <laughs> taste of it as well. Ayahuasca <laughs> remixed. 
and then the Liquid Bloom album as, as well. I'll be putting out some of these uh, these links and everything for everybody, but it's so fucking good. Thank you for your gift of music to the world. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for everything you're doing, brother. I really I love you and appreciate you. Thank you so much. Ayahuasca Remixed on Spotify and check that out for sure. Thank you for listening as always. Next week we have another badass guest, so be sure to tune in and subscribe. One of the challenging things anybody has to deal with with supplementation is just figuring out what to take. And then once you've figured out what to take, you got to bring it with you, you got to pack it, you got to actually make sure you comply with the protocol. And that was what our thinking was when we designed the TPC Day and Night Packs. We basically put together all of our flagship formulas from Alpha Brain, Shroom Tech Sport, New Mood, Key Minerals, Spirulina Chlorella, Virutech, Shroom Tech Immune, Krill Oil, all of our best stuff and divided them out into the day and night pack. And the cumulative effect of all of these things is just going to feel like your brain is turned on, you have more energy, you have more ability to get stuff done, your immune system is going to be supported. When it comes time to rest, you're going to find it easier to relax, easier to fall asleep. All of the bases of optimization are covered. So all you got to do is with breakfast, you rip open a day pack, you take the supplements. With dinner or before bed, you rip open the night pack, you take the night supplements. And you can rest assured that you're getting the best nutrients that we've sourced, that we've studied in clinical research, and you're covered. You don't have to stress about anything else. It's definitely the easiest way to optimize through supplementation and i encourage you guys to check it out go to onnit.com o n n i t.com and go get you some